Greetings, salutations, and all that good stuff. Welcome to another edition of the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. I am your host, Big Brother Jake. We got a 35-minute audio joyride for your listening pleasure right now. So, let's not delay. Episode 464, titled Motel Hello, that aired on November 24, 2016. Dr. Drew breaks the news that his son is putting together a documentary. And Adam gets dark. Very dark. Take a listen. What's going on with you, Drew? What are you working on? I'm working on a confidential email. Somebody needs some information like Toot Sweet, but I'm not going to do it. No, I just mean in general. they got projects, general, TV shows, yeah, some radio. Stuff. I know uh, you're doing radio. Doing radio still on KBC. I did uh, host the Hollywood Today Live thing for a couple weeks. I'm going to do a little more of that. That's uh, that show with Ross Matthews. Yeah, from the Tonight Show. He used to be. Yeah, he's done a bunch of other stuff since. But well, he, yeah, I mean, I mean, we know him from the Tonight yeah. Show. Mm-hmm. He, you got to know him back in the day on radio, didn't you? A little Did bit. Yeah, nice guy. Super, Super nice, nice guy. Yep. Uh, they don't make him like that. Gay. That anymore. You know what I mean? He's like really <laughs> effusively a certain way. It's a lot of fun to be around, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what else am I doing? I'm, I'm working on some writing, actually. And a couple documentaries, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. What kind of documentaries? Um, I, don't know. I really don't want to say these things. Let's Why? just say my son had a great idea for one, and I told him, let's do this. Let's go do it. He's, he's had some great um, success writing music for a film. He's actually a composer now. Wait, and which one? Douglas. Douglas. Um, he's music directing musicals and stuff. Doing all kinds of crazy sort of com- composing stuff. Okay. And his That's idea good. was I'll make a doc and I'll do the music for it. I'm like, great. Let's go do this. But you don't want to give the topic or the subject of the Homel- documentary. Homelessness. Yeah. Well. I hope it's something peppy and upbeat. He's doing think, the music. Think, like finger popping time. Think more like uh, Shameless. Shameless, the, the TV show. I don't know Shameless, the TV show. It's really good. It's about a bunch of drug addicts. Yeah, I get everyone's a mess. Yeah. But uh, I have never, I've never seen it. I, I, I like it. It makes me a little uncomfortable because it's, it is quite accurate. And it's a lot of people I dealt with were like that. So lot. how are you doing this documentary? How? Mm-hmm. With friends of his. Just letting it. So I'm just helping him do a little thing. You're asking what I'm doing. I'm just helping him with that. Oh. So it's, it's not very well, exciting. Well, hold on. It just, just, it's still it's on the drawing board. Don't, don't, don't want. Don't get into the, make me talk about the details right. of who's doing well, it. Well, let stuff. me explain how this is working. Yeah. Hey, Dad. Yeah. Can I have some money? Yeah. <laughs> some of that. There's, that's how, that's how you help someone make a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I need money. Yeah. I don't know. They're not cheap. You can do them cheaply. Yeah. Um, I think mine average about 400 grand a really? clip. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I gotta fix that. It's expensive. What will cost so much? Hmm. Uh, let's see. There's clearances. Some of it is clearing things, video, you, uh, buying footage, and stuff like that. Yeah. If you want to um, do stuff and you want footage from Lamar, you got to get the hold of the company that shot the footage from Lamar, and you got to pay them per second, sort Jeez. of thing. You know, so there's that stuff. Yeah. Some of it is, um, well, we got to go to Italy and get a crew and deal, deal with uh, Piero Ferrari or whomever. You know, we got to talk to Ferrari's son. The translator. There's, a, there's like a lot of that stuff. A lot of it is, is just kind of nutsy and boltsy, like just 
lot of man hours over at the other shop of guys sitting in and doing transcribing. Everybody gets interviewed. Everybody gets transcribed, you know, transcribing everyone. You know, you sit down with everyone for two hours or an hour. You end up with, you know, two minutes and it's you got transcribed the whole thing, you know. And then there's like a lot of post stuff and a lot of uh, there's a lot of technical stuff you don't really even think of. Like like you go like, um, well, how much can that cost? It's like it's got to work on this format. It's got to work on that format. It's got to work on an airplane. They have a different format. You know, it's got to be formatted for that. That cost whatever. You know, there's like a lot of that uh, art, pictures, boxes, covers, you know, posters, trailers. You know, it just (laughs) – it's just it's just kind of this thing where it's like it's it's the hose that shoots out rolls of quarters that never gets shut off mm. for for eighteen months, right. you know. And it's not like oh, it's a gusher. It's just like it's always going. Yeah. It's just always ring, and there's nothing coming the other direction. Right. It's just oh, it's just this hose that just leaks out into the driveway of life. Rolls of quarters come out of it, and you never shut it. It just, just keeps faster and slower. A little faster, a little slower, uh, and weekends and holidays and whatever. And it's like every time you go to the other shop, there's five guys sitting around in there, and I'm paying all of them. That's their job, that full time job. Well, where's it coming the other direction? So now, after you know months and months and months, you then turn the hose around and it starts pointing it the right direction. That's that's where we're at now. Then pennies start flowing. <laughs> then pennies start being carried by pigeons and dropped sporadically throughout my driveway. Uh, that's the way it works. But I have a couple of good reality shows I'm working on. Let me let me show mm, you this one, man. What reality look, shows? Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got this woman that is a uh, pathologist or pathology uh, tech. Mm-hmm. And she does, she has one of the most interesting uh, Instagrams. Uh, in on Instagram, if I can mm-hmm. get it turned up here, and she just puts up path specimens, just all these crazy autopsy specimens. Is that pathology? Just mean all autopsy? All? Pathology just means you know looking at tissue, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's kind of an interesting person. Yeah, boy. And uh, her yeah. husband's an interesting person, and mm-hmm. her friends are interesting. And so there's a lot there. So, uh, well, I do miss Doctor Bowden. Doctor Bowden. Dr. Bowden or Bowden, he was a guy, he used to run that uh, autopsy show that would be on like HBO. They'd do like a three-part series like once every few years. And he'd be like, um, uh, Professor uh, Periwinkle uh, took uh, his young student under his wing. Uh, she spent many an afternoon going to um going to his home while he played uh the violin and they talked uh, politics and history and then one day uh she didn't show up in class um several months later they found her corpse perfectly oh. embalmed yeah. uh with a vaginal tunnel sewn <laughs> in and perfectly preserved in a wedding dress on his bed 
And by the way, the thing is, like, the announcer never hiccups when he's talking about the vaginal tunnel that had been manufactured and made of silk and inserted. Oh, like, he's saying it like you're talking about a hummingbird oh, feeder or something. Geez. You know, it's like, the funny is, like, they never go, well, the vaginal channel. Like, they just go, <laughs> and then. Is this murder porn stuff, essentially? It's like, yeah, and then. Uh, the authorities came in and they took her and they buried her and they sent him to prison. And uh, eight years later, when he was let out of prison, he went to the grave site and exhumed her again. And, you know, it's like, this great. Oh, it's great. It's it's autopsy. So, so it's about necrophilia, essentially, or at least no, this particular one was? Just the good ones. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dr. Michael Bowden. You ever heard of this guy? No. And he's the pathologist? He would do the autopsies? Yeah, he he'd be the guy f- found the you know microfibers and the slivers and all the I stuff. See. The I stuff see. and a lot of stuff, a lot of the really interesting stuff they do, which is interesting. It's like uh, forensic files. Yeah, it's, it's uh, HBO's autopsy. Although I don't believe it's run in many years. Yeah. I, I haven't seen new well, episodes show up on in a while. Show that soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, what they do, what they do, which I which I like, is they do things like you know the the. the prostitute's body was left in the woods and then they discovered it but how long had it been in the woods welcome back to the adam and dr drew show classics up next episode 1038 neil degrassi tyson man that guy is a genius He joined the fellas on March 25th of 2019, and he broke down everything from science to politics. Check it out. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is uh, joining us via Skype. There's an event coming up, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Cosmic Collisions, it's at the uh, Long Beach Terrace Theater. That is uh, Monday, tonight as you hear this, Monday, March 25th. Fifth, and dates coming up all over San Jose and Sacramento as well. I'll tell you more about that in a second. Uh, Neil, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. I, I, I feel like a old friend. I've been on a couple <laughs> of times, and it's always good to just be in your just to just to hang with you. To, to use his terms, it's to be in your orbit, Adam. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, elliptical orbit. As long as, long as it's a non-collisional orbit, we're fine. <laughs> you have a book that I'm intrigued by here called "Accessory to War: The Unspoken Alliance Between Astrophysics and the Military." Can you shed a little light on that? Yeah, it's a pretty fat book. I, in fact, I have a co-author, um, Avis Lang, because I, I would I calculated it would take me about a thousand years to have finished writing that book. Wow. So I have a longtime uh, collaborator and researcher, Avis Lang, and it's an exploration of the centuries and millennia that astronomers and astrophysicists, just we folk who only care about the universe, actually made fundamental contributions to military hegemony. And normally you think of us as pretty passive, which we are. You know, we wait for the photons of light to reach us, gather them in a detector, and take them home and contemplate the universe. But it turns out we have a lot of resonant interests with military interest. We care about precision uh, 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 timing. We care about multispectral imaging. We care about 
uh, the movement of fast moving objects in the sky and the mathematics, the physics, the engineering that we do and that the military does. When you part the curtains, there's a resonance between the two that has not really previously been explored. And it's done to great lengths in this book. Yeah, well, look no further than the fat boy, fat little boy and fat man. I'm trying to think of the atomic bombs. but uh, Yeah, yeah, the two atomic bombs. The the Manhattan Experiment. I mean, it's crazy. Also, it's crazy. I just saw some World War II in color kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It is insane. In the mid-1940s, everything was mechanical, and they're doing all these calculations with slide rulers yeah. and steno pads and oh, stuff, yeah. and everything is huge. Yeah. Everything right, is right. massive. But the idea that everything, well, not everything, but that it worked is yeah. an insane undertaking. Yeah, if you put enough smart people in a room, scientists with clever and talented engineers, they can make almost anything happen. And I'll give you one other fast example relevant to the nuclear era um astrophysicists were hired by los alamos uh by the way los alamos is the keeper of the nation's nuclear arsenal and they've been that ever since they were conceived well why would they hire us well we care about how stars make energy this is thermonuclear fusion in the center of a star tamped down by the gravitational weight of the star itself well on the other side of the wall where the astrophysicists are doing their calculation sharing the same computer are people calculating the yields on nuclear fusion weapons that, of course, replace the simple, tiny atomic bombs that leveled Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The, the hydrogen bomb, it is the way stars make energy, and it's the way it, – and it, it is the foundation of the Cold War arsenal that kept this – the world hostage for 50 years. You mentioned that uh, smart people can make anything happen. We were Adam and I were having a conversation about global warming to that very end, trying to figure out what we could do, what are we likely to do to solve that problem, and how is that going to work? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, let me give it a, a fun sort of admittedly naive but hopeful thought that we figure out how to just scrub the CO2 from the atmosphere, use solar panels, get the energy, and then we could actually tune the future climate of the planet to our liking. By the way, we already know how to redirect rivers. We create dams. We, uh, Los Angeles has this huge LA river basin to prevent floods. You know, uh, engineers have been messing with Earth's natural way ever since we've had engineers. So the next level would be geoengineering on a uh, on a scale where uh, maybe you know okay too much CO two take some out yep. all right make that adjustment make yep. the measurement okay we're good for another ten years I I, I don't you know I, that's how I see it solutions hardly ever come from people changing their behavior they come from a clever person coming up with a solution to the problem, and then we move on to the next. This is what we were uh, saying, right? Well, we're talking about nuclear, and I've spoken to a few scientists and a few people who seem to know um, this world, and they say that nuclear is good, but it's got a lot of negative stigma attached to it, and thus it's not going to fly from more of a popularity standpoint than a effectiveness standpoint. That's completely accurate. That is completely accurate. It's safer than people's sentiment would have you think it is. By by several orders of magnitude, right? Yes, yes. In fact, yes. And so it's the, you know, it's one of the two um, two banned N words in our society. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what would I, here's here's what here's my thing, and and I yeah. realize it's political, 
But my argument is it doesn't have to be political. I was literally saying to my wife the other day, she's like, you know, when you get all bossy and it sounds like you're judging and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, sometimes I'm just saying rinse the coffee mug and it just means rinse the coffee mug. It's not a put down. You know, you're taking it as you're politicizing. How you say it, Adam? Rinse the coffee mug. I'm literally want a coffee mug that doesn't have a ring around it in two days. So I'm saying it. Why must it be politicized? And I would say the same thing about nuclear. Like, what if some sort of uh, right-thinking person said, look, uh, I, I want to get rid of the coal-fired generators, and I don't want to dam up any more rivers because uh, the, the trout are trying to hatch. But uh, nuclear, I know someone said no nukes in 1974, and we all got a bad taste in our mouth, but the technology's come a long way. We're all, we're all going the same direction. We want clean fuel. Uh, sure, wind, solar, that's on the horizon, but we're not there yet. How about it? Yeah, so interesting. Uh, University of Oxford has a new professorship, new in the last decade or so, a professorship of the public understanding of risk. Right. That's the name of a professorship. And when you look at how much, how tolerant we have been of the health and life disasters that mining coal has brought upon civilization in the last 150 years, you know, tens of thousands of deaths, hundreds of thousands of deaths in the process of uh, 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 digging for coal, mining coal, the lung deaths, that pe- the breathing deaths that have come about from it. We somehow accept that. And you get intermittent um, uh, nuclear uh, accidents with a death toll far less than that. And then people react and want to ban all nuclear. The point is, if we understood risk more rationally, Ugh. we'd be making very different decisions in our lives. Well, well this, I, this I is agree. a general problem. Humans I, have a horrible assessment. They don't, we don't, no one has an ability to assess probability. I, I agree. Like, I talk to people all the time. Like, what about nuclear? They're like, what about Fukushima? And I was like, a, a tsunami hit and nobody died or yeah. two people died. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Everything is just all the, all the pipelines, all the underground drilling, all the shale, all the, you think it's all just nobody's ever injured no one no one in an offshore oil derrick has ever been injured like but whole movies have been about that right oh my god the right. armageddon the best movie ever made <laughs> had all the whole first <laughs> i know you didn't just say best movie ever made right, i know top, you didn't just say that. top five but either way they, bruce willis was he was a leatherneck out there it was great yeah all right so i'm I'm so see, Neil, I'm glad to hear you say this because I think Drew and I felt the same way, which is, look, we would like to solve this CO2 problem ourselves. Yeah. Thus, yeah. Let's go do nuclear's it. on the on the table. Let's not freak out. Let's go solve the problem. By the way, a quick one I think you'd appreciate. Do you ever hear about the, the risk of the manure catastrophe? Do you ever read about that? No. So it, it, in, in Manhattan, in New York City, a hundred and some, you know, 10 years ago, 110 years ago or so, uh, the city was getting busier and busier. And there were all these sort of horse-drawn delivery carts and horse-drawn taxis, cabs, they were called. And and so horses would poop, right? And the poop would be all over the street. The street and so someone would come clean it up. There's only so much of that you could sell as fertilizer when you live in the middle of a major metropolitan area. So they started hauling it over to a side street and then slowly would take it out of town. By the way, this would breed flies and it was nasty. And so they did the calculation. They said, if this keeps up, we will reach a manure catastrophe (laughs) where the horses that bring in the carts to remove the manure 
leave as much manure behind them as they take out. And so you reach a catastrophic tipping point. And so how do you do? Do you give horses food that makes them poop less? Do you not feed them hay? And what solved the problem was the car. Right. Period. The car. And we switched from horses, which we've been using for thousands of years, to cars in about 10 years. I think we better just sit around and wring our hands and maybe get uh, the vice president in there to talk about how this is the end, this is it, everyone just prepare. <laughs> well, when, when I'm, when the part that is um, the discouraging to this podcaster is <laughs> I get that there's folks like my mom who say no nukes, but the politicians – are elected to make the kind of decisions, not win a popularity contest, but to do what is best for the constituency. And it drives me insane that they want no part of this. Um, Neil. Yeah, but wait, wait, wait. wait. In all fairness, it's always been a popularity contest. Uh, I'm sure. Right, right. right. We want to not believe that. Yeah. But it's odd that, you know, when you hire a CEO or anybody important in a company, there's a resume that gets debated, it gets talked about. Whereas to, to, to... Put someone in power to run an entire country and to be the head of the free world, it's a popularity contest. Yep. It's been that way from the beginning. Yep. So we know that. We'll be right back with more of the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. Thank you for joining us on the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. Up next, the very last segment. Episode 1034, titled My Dad Was a Coward, which aired on March 17, 2019. Adam talks to Dr. Drew about how scared his dad was, and it bothered him. He learned about his dad's upbringing, so listen to how Dr. Drew and Adam break down his father's childhood. My dad, I should should chime in that much, a, a fair bit of today's discussion was him being fearful. He's very fearful. Interesting. Very scared. Huh. Was always scared. Because what I was seeing, I've never really spent time with him, but what I thought I was seeing in all those photographs you did, say, in the in the stand-up, uh, not talk about material, was him being, he looked confused to me. He looked kind of confused and addled at anything that was going on around him. Well, he's, he's very fearful. Yeah. He always was very fearful. Not in a... Oh my goodness! I'm going to voice it, kind of way. Yeah. So he was telling me today that he just grew up in fear. Hmm. He grew up on the south side of Philly, and he's basically said there was a black side of town and there's an Italian side of town, and you had to sort of be in an Italian gang if you're Italian for protection, and probably vice versa. And he didn't want any part of it. And he was just scared. I mean, the black kids would just beat your ass if you were just sort of out on your own. So yeah. you had to sort of gang up and travel in groups and blah, did, blah, did blah. Did he get in fights or did he? Uh, no, I, I think, I think he, my, my, my dad is one, I, I would say one of the least physically capable people I've <laughs> right. ever met in my life. And, and I, I so include is, the handicapped. His fear like, is justified. It's appropriate fear. It's appropriate. He should have been fearful. He should be fearful. Yeah. He could not do anything physical. Yeah. And he had immense fear about having to do something physical. So I, he literally just sort of ran to school. Like he was telling me today, he was sort of go from car to car to car, like down this one street, like literally hiding, you know, ducking behind. And then there'd be the 50 yard sprint to the back door of the school. And that, that was it. So 
He was very fearful and has no physical prowess at all. Is that why he left the area, came out here? Like, get away as far as I can kind of thing? I don't think so. He... <clears throat> Did you meet your mom out here? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> I believe. He he toured. He he was basically scared to death. Yeah. He's essentially physically unable to defend himself or to do wood shop or metal shop or whatever. He was basically considered an imbecile and sent to trade school, but because he had no physical ability to you know, weld or put wood together or whatever, he ended up playing the trumpet in trade school when playing the trumpet was a job. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be getting a band and tour and go from town to town. Studio and, musician. Yeah, but back then, I, I think it was much more like get in this bus and go tour. Mm. So he said he did not take any academic classes. He essentially... Failed the fourth grade a few times. At some point, somebody sort of got hold of him and went, "Hey, you're you're not well, maybe cutting it. Dyslexia, you should go right? to same thing. Maybe same stuff you were dealing with. I don't think I have dyslexia. I actually got tested for dyslexia. I don't have dyslexia. Well, I, I wonder what it was he was contending with. It's it's interesting because he just anxiety. He was contending with something. He grew up. In South Philly, in like super poor Italian kind of neighborhood, I don't think his parents, you know, his parents were from Italy or whatever. Mm. They didn't know anything. They yeah. didn't, no one's read to him or anything. Yeah. And he showed up. He got to school. He, he, I don't know that he and I share a a comparable or a, a, a common genetic thing. I do know we were... He had a scholastic uh, – his his relationship with school was my relationship with school. And he essentially – he essentially was, oh, he was the guy with the alcoholic dad who married the alcoholic or became the alcoholic dad and abused his kid. Like it wasn't right. – I don't know if it – I don't know how much is genetic or how much is just, oh, that you just did what you just did to me. Right. Like that's what you did. Right. I think there's more of that where – he show, he got to school. He didn't know how to do anything, and they were like, "You're an imbecile, and you got to go learn to play the trumpet." And, and let me let me make sure I'm clear on what you're saying. So, in other words, because his parents didn't say, "Hey, take some math, take some reading, learn how to read," they didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. I I think yes. I think as a child, he didn't learn his way around studying, and then he became this sort of. Adult, it's it's kind of weird. He explained to me his fear. I I had it too. It's it's weird being illiterate and sort of living in modern day society. You you, you live in a little bit of fear that the game of Scrabble is going to break out. Or when, when did he learn to to read? I would. I it's it's he probably learned like I did, like yeah. along the way. I yeah. would I would have fear about playing charades. Yeah, yeah. It's actually just write down. A profession. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't read it off the little yeah. piece of paper at a kid's party or something. Yeah. So he was that way, too. It's a funny story with his school records. I'll tell you in a second. First, I'll tell you about the teeter hanging upside down. Great for the back. Mm-hmm. We use it here. I brought it home. I used it. It's wonderful, man. I had uh, Lynette and Natalia on that thing the other day. 
uh, your own body weight decompresses your spine. Teeter, inversion table, just takes a few minutes to maintain a healthy spine, active lifestyle without pain. Over 3 million people put their trust in Teeter. Since 1981, thousands of reviews. 4.9 star Amazon rating. Special limited time offer. 70 bucks off plus 100 bucks worth of bonus accessories when you go to teeter.com slash ADS. Plus free shipping, free returns, 60-day money-back guarantee, no risk. Remember, 70 bucks off a teeter inversion table plus free bonus accessories. I can tell you, for those who, like, hang on the chin-up bar, this is not that. Right. This is you, – you kind of think, oh, I'll just hang off this chin-up bar and stretch out my spine. Oh, no, this, this is a is completely different, different yeah. completely different experience and much greater. Yep. Teeter.com slash ADS, T-E-E-T-E-R. And, and they've got it sort of uh, ergonomically right, finally. Yeah, it you doesn't I mean? take up much room. And, and it works it just, real and, well. And you just – you can go all the way up, all the way upside down. I've yeah. Just, Worried Natalia's going to flip the whole thing over. (laughs) She starts screaming when I spin her over. It's funny. (laughs) So my dad was a coward. Okay. And physically probably should have been. And then couldn't do anything. And then scholastically ended up just kind of putzing around school and playing the trumpet. He never, never did take the science classes and the English classes and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. That's, Sensibly couldn't read or write or anything, and then he got out of high school and he just went on tour with a big band. He was playing one night stands, staying in motels. You know, crazy. So at a certain point, he ended up in like Santa Monica after he got off the bus, like when they were on tour, and just said like I'm staying here in Santa Monica, and um, said uh, some some neighbor, somebody or somebody said like I'll get you signed up for some classes over at. Uh, Santa Monica Junior College, hmm. and he, I'll send for your records. Huh. And he's like, "No, don't, don't do that," you know. And he's like, "I'll do it." And, and he, the guy sent for his records, and all the records I said, like you know, history and English, like check, check, check. Because back then, somebody just went like, "Look, I don't. Know, this guy's an imbecile. I don't want to get into trouble. Just check the check the boxes," and uh, say he went to class. You know, I mean, like we don't, we're in the we're in the business of sort of. You know, we're like a puppy mill. You know, it's just get them up, get them out, get them up, get them out. You, right. you know what I mean? Like, I don't. Right. It's not going to be a doctor. It's not right. our fault. Right? You know what I mean? So right. we don't want to get into trouble. So just check all those boxes. Say he went everywhere, and then just that's what his record said. So then the guy was like, "Well, look at you. You did pretty good." And, you know? Wow. You know, sign you up. He told me he handed in a paper once at junior college, and the guy said, "I liked your paper. Um, what is your first language?" Oh. <laughs> oh my god, that's hysterical. What what prompted this this uh sharing? Uh he, you know, he just he knows he's going to die pretty soon and I think he just kind of went like, I don't know. Get the, should get the record straight. Yeah, just get, you know, get a little stuff off my chest, get a little talk in, you know. Mm-hmm. He's not a bad guy. Just, you know, just Did you share anything back? Yeah, I I uh, we we talk about things. I I was just mostly listening, and I was kind of thinking about um, what a sort of how insane it was that he found my mom, and that they thought they should be married, like the two least competent people on the planet. 
know what I mean? Did, like, you, did you question that at all? Or I, I, I just, I just, I just can't believe. I, I, I just the notion. Look, being being a kid of my mom is pretty bad. I can't imagine being married to her. Mm. I just I couldn't imagine. But 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 as you said, she kind of held it together through her twenties. And then you said it was like like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Where all of a sudden, one hair goes, dun, 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 and the whole thing falls apart. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. Remember to check back each week for new episodes. And while you're at it, don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us five stars wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Big Brother Jake. Thanks for tuning in. Deuces! Deuces!